0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another overcast day here at the Capitol. I'm Matthew O'Neill and today as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Jane Holmes, Chief Executive of Building for the Future, a parent-led charity center for children with additional needs in and around Wokingham, offering activities, support, and therapies. Jane, hello. Hello. Thank you for coming on to the program today. Now, normally, we'd get straight over into the subject of leadership, but... Uh, as we need to address the ghost at the feast that's been present for the past few months. How has COVID-19 affected your operations?
1: Uh, well, we, we we run a, a play centre for um, disabled children, uh, so we, we had to completely close, and we, we still are closed now. Um, we are able to um, hire the place out for private bookings, um, but we're not able to run any of our own activities yet. Um, so, yes, it's had a huge impact on us.
0: And what sort of measures are you taking to prepare for when you are eventually allowed to uh, reopen?
1: Well, we're preparing all of our risk assessments at the moment. I had a long conversation yesterday with the um, lead for health and safety at our local authority here in Wokingham. Um, I got lots of advice. We're going to be um, producing various risk assessments. Um, And, and, uh, you know, the the restrictions are often lifted quite, quite um, suddenly without much warning. So uh, we want to be prepared. Um, We want to get all the PPE in place, all the safety measures in place, so that when those restrictions are lifted, we can open to parents. Because, you know, we offer um, play for um, children with disabilities. Um, And, you know, most of those children have been at home since since lockdown in March. Um, So as you can imagine, it's been really tough on families. Um, and they haven't had very many places that they can go to so um, so families with disabled children have have, um, have struggled um, in a lot of cases and um, and so we're very keen to open our doors to, to give those families and and especially those children um, the access to the play that they that they deserve
0: Now... Every week we try and have a topical subject that we discuss uh, on the program, and this week it dovetails quite nicely into what we're presently uh, speaking of. Um, This week we're trying to find the silver lining to what has been an enormously dark and dense cloud. So you can tell us about any positive you or your organization have managed to take in the past few months.
1: Hmm. Uh, Well, I mean, um, the the charity Building for Future is is parent-led. It was set up by a group of of us mums, um, all of whom had disabled children. I have a a daughter who's now 18 who has cerebral palsy. Um, And she's been home since the 6th of March. Um, And um, my husband is a a teacher. He teaches special needs children at the School of Maidenhead. And so um, it was quite quickly that the three of us were, were at home together. And um, I, I have had worries about the charity. Obviously the financial impact has been pretty huge. So I spent a lot of time working on fundraising with my colleague. Um, but um, positive positive impact on, on me personally, I think having that time um, to take stock, um, you know, to be at home with my, my husband and my daughter um and 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 really sort of spending quality time I mean how many how many times in life do we sort of wish we could press the pause button um you know and take some time out and and that is exactly what we got we we got to press the pause button um that was how I chose to view it um and it was an opportunity to spend time together to do some proper talking um and to sort of reconnect
0: Now, that's absolutely fantastic. And you are right. Uh, How many times did we wish that we could just spend a a bit more time at home? I think there are some people today, uh, though, uh, are wishing they could have some time in their office. Uh, But we should uh, move on uh, to the subject of leadership. After all, that's why you're here. Um, I always like to start this part of the conversation off by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you?
1: The leader to me means um, bringing a team together, I think, most of all, um, and um, be, being the person that inspires the team to stick together and to give their best, um, and who isn't afraid to get involved with the organisation at any level and is able to demonstrate that.
0: Now, of course, everyone has a different style of leadership. And what would you say yours is on a day-to-day basis?
1: Well, we have a fairly small team, um, and we have we have a two part time um, workers in our organisation. Plus, we have a board of trustees, and then we have a band of volunteers as well. Um, so, uh, I, it's very important for any any leader of any charity of, of this nature to be able to relate to people at all levels, um, and, and to be able to get stuck in. Um, so, I think I'd like I'd like to think I'm a team team player. Um, that uh you know i, I don't I, I don't ever feel the need to sort of pull rank on people i would, i would I would hate to um lead in that way. I think the the um the, the, the best uh way of, of of getting people to work for you and with you um is is to rather inspire them um and and encourage um by example um and we We have some volunteers and some trustees who've been with us for years and years and years, and I think that has been a big part of our success.
0: Now where would you say that your leadership style was developed from? Did you have a particular role model or were you shaped more by circumstance
1: um well i admire um i might i admire any leader really, that um that that does lead in the, in the way that i try to lead um who 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 leads by encouragement who's very approachable um and um and i i I come to myself before my daughter was born i worked in a human resources background for Um, hotels and restaurants in London so I got a really good grounding I got I worked up to um, senior management level um, with with that company with those companies that I worked for Um, so I I was able to to work with an industry and and watch other managers and 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 I was able to develop my own style um, but by doing that really.
0: Now When leaders uh, often talk uh, about the challenges involved in their uh, day-to-day lives, one of the ones that seems to be uh, the most difficult is dealing with conflict. Do you have a particular method for resolving conflict?
1: Uh, Well, talk and talk and talk. I think that's really the best thing. I mean, so often when there's any kind of conflict in organizations, and we've had our own experiences of that, like every other organization, um, you know, so often, uh, you know, the, the person who who has grievance um, is is very quiet about it, um, and you know, you, you the first thing you notice about about that is that they're they're not really performing, um, and uh, you know, then it, it, it's a question of of sitting down and, and talking and finding out what's wrong, um, and I, so I, I think communication is is the absolute you know key there. Um, and, and you know, and the hope is that that you can sort it out and and move on. Um, so so communication um, fr- from the leader and, and also obviously from 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 all the all the workers. I mean, all, you know, communicating together um, and and constantly checking that everybody's okay. I mean, that's really important. Um, you know, don't take it for granted um, that people are happy. Make sure ask them, um, check with them, uh, engage with them, take an interest in their lives. And, you know, uh, it's a cliche, but treat them as human beings, you know, to treat them as, as though you'd want to be treated yourself.
0: Well, absolutely. That is the, uh, the best way to look at life in general. Um,
1: <laughs> so, so,
0: so. Let's talk a bit about your organization and what the inspiration was uh, for its founding. If you could let our listeners in on a bit of just what goes on and uh, the background.
1: Well, as I said, the charity was set up in 2007 by a group of um, mothers of disabled children, children with all different types of disabilities. Um, And we had a a, a dream, um, you know, of setting up a community centre for our children and and other children like them. And as parents ourselves, we we knew very well uh, what families needed and and what children needed. Um, And, you know, when I look back, I'm, I'm quite amazed that we had the sort of our neck to, to to even um think we could do such a project um, really because you know the amount of work and the amount of money that's been involved has been phenomenal um and we we, we um we're all caring for our own children at the same time um so um we 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 fundraised um for seven years and then we opened our center on in may. 2014. um, I think we opened it. Actually, Prince Edward and Kansas of Wessex opened it for us. Um, And um, we've been running our own activities in in our centre, which is called Our House. Um, And we also, as part of our business model, we let the space out to other organisations working with disabled children and young people, um, which brings a bit of income in for us. Um and um and it also obviously affords those organisations to provide a, a Rolls-Royce um place for, for their their clients. Um, the, the, the building, the, the centre that we run has um been uh, very well uh, designed. Uh, it's been award award winning design. Um and we have, you know, everything that we know as parents that um children want and need, particularly disabled children. So we have a, you know sensory room and soft play and ball pool and and specialist computer software and hardware and a teenage room um, and you know the parents particular pride and joy the fully accessible bathroom. Um, but we also, as parents, you know, we 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 know that um, parents supported parents means supported children. So uh, we felt very strongly and we still do that. Um, it's where we we run the charity is, is for disabled children. It's it's for the whole family as well, because that's all part of it. Um, you know, little things that people don't think about, such as, you know, if a, if a family is, say, four or five and one of the children has got a disability, often at weekends they have to go out um, separately um, to access activities. But, to, but at our house, we can um, welcome the whole family and they can spend the afternoon there together, um, knowing that their child, the, the, the disabled child, um has the the changing facilities they need the access they need and the support and and but most of all the the acceptance um you know so often uh you know you go to a mainstream place and you know if, if you can even get in um then you may feel that the child isn't entirely welcome um and 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 you know misunderstood um so we wanted to create an environment where the, where disabled children were were embraced, understood, valued, welcomed, um, and 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 for a change, they're welcoming mainstream people into onto their turf, if that makes sense, um, and and um, and and able to, to spend time together with with none of the difficulties that normally goes with it.
0: Well, Jane, unfortunately, our time together has drawn to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Building for the Future?
1: Well, our um, our most exciting plans have to be put on hold, but we want to um, raise more money and um, open up our provision for um, um, young adults with disabilities so that they can access, um, uh, better access the, the working environment. Um, and... Uh, perhaps some further edu- further education opportunities. Um, so um, once, once things uh, get back to normal and we're able to crack on with that, we, we, we're really looking forward to, to getting that into play.
0: Well, I'd like to thank you very much, Jane, for coming on the programme today. And we happy to you. have you back on when things get back to normal. But for now, thank you. Thank you. That was Jane Holmes, Chief Executive of Building for the Future. And now, if you haven't heard it
2: before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview
3: Well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for, my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago. 1962, I think that was. So I didn't... And- um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was... But, <laughs> Luckily to be playing, I guess, of one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports.
2: And I think, uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a, there's a, another world that might exist where... Um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not, perhaps, a, a footballer, but... Um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated. No matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him?
3: Absolutely. I mean, he he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, of football. And uh, they the quite always mention when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who um, was played under mm-hmm. him, and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over 15 years. I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you you, re, you think you're lucky. When you come across, if you have a great teacher at school and uh, a great coach, as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course uh, a great manager in South Alf so to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life, and that's that's quite purely the case.
2: Absolutely, and in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there. It's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it Moore? Was it Peters?
3: I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the talent of the players. I did. Again, again extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain Noir Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier and played for England in 62, four years before the final I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, had a glance around, you know.
2: Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there, are, there
3: certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or a Channel Line, Jersey or Guernsey, two or mm. three years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions that absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever which uh, was absolutely... But I can use it now, because it, it is quite funny.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me to tell you if you so want?
3: you want. You got time, I can tell I go, you if you want. Jeff,
2: go on. Go think I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner
3: in, in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions Luck. That's absolutely show. He would be the best example, of course, in in football terms today. Uh, Easily, easily. And of course, going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely, Mm. you've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently, since he's gone, how they've Hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwind- yes. dwindling numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after sixty six. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, the. Mm. Um, uh,